Hey, welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio. I am your host, and by George, he's got it. <laughs> um, we we are we are uh, talking with uh, with um, oh my gosh. How, George, how do you uh, pronounce your last name again? It's Saroy. Saroy. Okay, I should have said I that wrote at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I and I had it. I had it, and it's like I, I unfortunately I use too many notes, and when I don't have my notes in front of me, I forgot. So it's like I looked at your name and I looked at the the spelling. I'm like. I froze. I'm like, oh shit! I'm gonna fuck this up. <laughs> we gotta keep all this in, by the way. That's yeah. some really oh, yeah. good outtakes here. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. Well, because like you know, I I uh, I, I have a, having a, a uniquely spelled last name. I get really sensitive about uh, pronunciation sometimes. So I I always try to like listen to somebody's show to make sure i've got it and and yeah it uh my my plans failed me i just i needed something to look at and i just didn't have it i i, 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 I have failed a, i have a fun i have a funny moment to to talk about actually back in 2000 i was in montreal for a friend's bachelor party and i was getting myself set up over at the hotel uh the guy goes in and swipes my card and everything he hands it back to me and and the the way to the way to actually pronounce the the last name is Sirois. That's the French Canadian way of saying it. So, and I'm not okay. used to hearing that at all. I'm used to hearing cirrhosis. Yeah. I'm cirrhois, cirrhois. <laughs> you know, just like oh, just as serious. I've gotten serious quite a bit as well. So, you know, which, yeah, yeah, it, it drives me nuts. So the guy hands hands back the card, hands it right over to me, and just goes, "Is there anything else I can do for you, Mister Sirois?" I was like. No, that'll do it. <laughs> Just with a bit, nice big smile. I was like, that is perfect. Thank you so much, sir. Right? Yeah, it, it, it's almost weirdly off-putting, or, or not off-putting, but but it, it puts you off balance when somebody actually when actually get it right. gets it right. Yeah. Like al- <laughs> almost everybody I've ever encountered in my life calls me Siebert, you know, because it's like, you know, it, it's it's spelling, you know, I before E except after C unless mm-hmm. you're me, you know, that, right. that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, but every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, I get one of those, well, thank you, Mr. Seibert, and I'm like, who are you? Right. Can, can I take you with me? <laughs> it's it's just it, it's it's weird. It's so weirdly flattering that it's surprising. Yeah. And like I said, it kind of kind of puts you off balance a little bit at first. You have to kind of like you know recompose yourself. And it's like, oh, this is just a person you know doing business transaction or whatever. It's really not like, <laughs> like exactly a big deal or anything. Exactly. <laughs> it's it, it's the little things that uh uh that mean the mean the most though. They they always so. seem to do. They always seem to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for this on talk no shock. And now from the Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Cyber Radio podcast. Your home for pop culture, Transformers, independent artists, interviews, Transformers, and stuff and things. Also, sometimes Transformers. And now, here he is, a part of a balanced breakfast, Mike Seibert. Hey, 
Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and by George, he's got it. My guest today is George Soroy. He's a author, voice actor, audiobook narrator. He is the host of the Excelsior Journeys podcast and uh, author of books in the same series. And today, we are going to talk about a little movie that is having a 35th anniversary. In fact, uh, George is going to discuss with us how the narrative, the takeover, if you will, of his uh, output in the month of August will be primarily focused on that little movie from 1986 with the transforming robots. Of course, we are talking about the Transformers, the movie from oh, 1986. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm really excited for this conversation, but please welcome to Mike Seibert Radio, George Soroy. How uh, how you doing? I am doing fantastic, Mike. Thank you so much for having me here. All right. So let's, uh, I, I guess let's start with the basics. You know, somebody's, every podcast is somebody's first podcast. Yes. And I already started with a bit of info dumping. You're, you're, uh, you're multi-talented, you're prolific. Um, let's, let's kind of parse out who George Soroy is and what you do. And then let's, let's kind of get into some of the cool things that you've got going on because before we tell folks to check out all of your stuff in August for the Transformers, the movie stuff, I think it would help as good context for folks to know what, um, where you were to know where we're going. Absolutely. And there are times when I'm still trying to figure out who the hell George Soroy is, but uh, I think when you take the writing, the podcasting, the audiobook narrating, the voice acting, like it all, you want to condense it all into one thing, I would say storyteller. And whether it's my story that I'm telling or someone else's story or giving someone the spotlight to let them tell their story, that's pretty much what, you know, what this whole crazy trip has been. You are correct when you say that I have three books that are out there right now. Although technically you can say seven books because one of them is a five-part serial that's condensed into one book, but that's its own thing. That's a sci-fi sports serial that's called From Parts Unknown, and that's available on paperback and ebook. Um, but the the big ones that are connected to the podcast are Excelsior and Ever Upward, part two in the Excelsior journey. That's a YA sci-fi trilogy that I have going. Part three is in production, and I swear to you, publisher, uh, Jeff at A. Loris Publishing, it is in production. I will get it to you, and I am working on it very, very diligently. And at some point, it will be finished, and that trilogy will be complete, and I'll be able to move on to my next big project that I have going on. But, uh, but yeah, it was that, it was that, uh, it was that series that inspired the title of the podcast because when. In uh, 2016, I started up with a different podcast. It was this really great roundtable discussion of all these different authors in the St. Louis area. And I was really enjoying being a part of a podcast. Then it got to a point where in 2018, I was starting to get the, you know, that feeling, that that bug of just like, let's, I got to, you know, like, I got to do this or, or, you know, just looking through my Facebook friends and seeing all these wonderful creative people that I've known in various walks of life and just thinking like, wow, these guys need to get them themselves out there. These they're people need to know what it is that they're doing because what they're doing is fabulous. And then after a few months, it was okay. They need to be on my podcast. <laughs> so then I had that sort of direction to go in. And then one of my friends, David Lucas, 
who was running the Right Pack Radio roundtable show that I was a part of, he was listening to me talk about what I was going to call this show. And he looks over my shoulder and he sees my big banner that I have of Excelsior. And he sees the the subtitle on there saying part one in the Excelsior journey. And he points to it and just goes, why not the Excelsior journey? And I turned around, I looked at it. I was like, you know what? That works. But let's let's tweak it. Let's call it Excelsior Journeys since there's more than one. Everyone has their own. And just a few months later, that's when uh, in October of 2018, that's when uh, my first three episodes launched. That's awesome because, like, I, I I was doing a little bit of research and, and yeah, I've I've listened to um, a handful of episodes, but the one thing I I that struck me immediately is that I I like that you've got consistent branding. Mm -hmm. So you know what I mean? It's like, you know, Excelsior journeys. Oh, it's, it's books, it's podcasts, it's both. It's, you know, it's, it's very consistent and not, all of us content creators think that far ahead. Uh, the reason why my podcast is called Mike Seibert Radio is because I wasn't creative enough to come up with a title other than Mike Seibert Radio because that's really what the show is. It's just things from my perspective, my point of view, my take on things, my friends, my friends' interests, my creative friends' interests and in creative projects and trying to promote them. So it's it, it's all just very much through this, this kaleidoscope of Mike Seibert, so hence Mike Seibert Radio. But like like I said, George, I, I like that you've got that consistency from Jump. And talking about your podcast, I, I, do, I don't know if this is weirdly narcissistic or <laughs> or at least selfish. I, I've been told by many folks many times that it's not all about me. Yeah. And I'm like, you seem to forget what the name of my show is, but, <laughs> but I- I was struck immediately by the variety of content mm-hmm. in your podcast, and it reminds me of the content that I do. It seems that you're drawn by folks' individual journeys. Yeah. You have you have a, a variety of interviews mm-hmm. with, uh, with a lot of cool folks that, that we'll call out here in a little bit, yep. but you're also doing uh, chapter reads of your book. So it's it's not necessarily one particular thing, which is at, at times difficult to explain to folks. I know I know I have that challenge. They'll be like, well, what is your podcast about? And I'll say, well, you know, it's it's like I just said a moment ago, it's it, it's just kind of like things through my kaleidoscope and my perspective. Yeah. Whereas with Excelsior Journeys, it feels like you've done a lot of the same thing, but more focused and even themed because like, even as you're explaining it to me now, it feels like even if you're doing a interview with say uh, Michael Bell, a voice actor, you know, in your most uh, current episode, you know, we all have those Excelsior journeys, which Mm -hmm. I I think is, is really, really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The, the, um, the chapter readings, they are, they're an example of necessity being the mother of invention. Um, I am on track right now to, to reach episode 100 on the episode that's going to air on August 10th 
which is going to be recorded on August 8th, and which just so happens to be the exact 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie being released. So that, that when I did the math and realized where everything fell, I was just like, well, that that's perfect. So I didn't want to mess with that. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a I had a guest lined up, but our communication wasn't quite there. We couldn't quite get our schedules to mix. And I'm just like, well, no harm, no foul. I definitely want this guy on my show. And if it's not going to happen now, it'll happen in the future. But what am I going to record for this week? Because I can't just say no show this week. And then because that's just going to bump everything down. So it was like, well, why don't I just, why don't I just put in a little bit of my Excelsior audiobook, just chapter one. Chapter one is really strong. Let's go ahead and just put that out there as like a little free tidbit for everyone, uh, because you can go ahead and get the full audiobook if you like. It's it's available on Amazon. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to drop the any chapters from the audiobook of Ever Upward since that first chapter almost completely spoils the first book. So I don't want to do that. Um, but at right, least I can. Right. But at least with um, since I have also have from Parts Unknown in my arsenal, I can always go ahead and do a chapter from that as well, which is likely what I'm going to wind up doing this month because as July is, July is a time when everyone is just kind of scattered. So it's very difficult to really kind of get everyone together for the same weekend and do all the recording. So I think that's what's going to wind up happening is I'm going to wind up reading a chapter from that, either that or chapter two of Excelsior, just as another free tidbit. You know, but um that's what that's that's basically where the chapter readings you know come from. the The main things, the the main crux of the show is putting the spotlight on people that are up and coming in their own creative field. When it comes to working with, say, like Michael Bell or some of the other names that are going to be dropped, you know, likely during the show, they're all the people that inspired me. So it's so hopefully, like what uh, what all my previous guests that are out there that are up and coming in their field, what they're doing is inspiring others. And what I get to do with this show, because it's my show, I get to talk with all the people that inspired me. So that made me into this, you know, crazy mix of various things that I am. And so I'm basically just telling them you're either getting the credit or the blame. It depends on, <laughs> depends on who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that that that's fantastic, and so while we're here and and we are kind of in this under this umbrella of uh, going to be talking about Transformers the movie, you've recently had interviews with uh, several folks that mm -hmm. have been instrumental in that movie. Uh, some of the some of the folks I've chatted with as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, uh, talk about some of the folks that uh, that you've talked to and maybe some of uh, your experiences chatting with them, because I, I I'm interested to compare notes to see if our experiences with Flint Dilly are, are, are similar. <laughs> well, uh, Flint, Flint, first of all, I got to just say Flint is magnificent. He's he is a prince of a human being. Just for even you know for even taking the time to get on come on this show, come on your show, spread the word about who he is, what he's done. Because too many people just don't know. Flint and uh, Flint was one of those people that I reached out to on Facebook as on a whim, uh, just thinking that you know like at least you know at, at at least he'll know that you know like there's someone out there who knows who he is, who admires him, and everything, and 
would like to connect via Facebook. And he did. And he accepted me. And for a while there, you know, we would chat in just a, a little bit here and there. Not too much, but just a little bit. And one time uh, last year was when I got the 27 by 40 poster of Transformers the movie. And I got that from Amazon and got it framed, put it up on my wall in my office, you know, right here at home. And I basically just kind of made that like the centerpiece of the whole room. It's what ties it all together. And I got snapped a picture of it, put it online and put out there just basically saying, you know, thank you to all different people that decided to become Facebook friends with me and, you know, just kind of tag them and thank them for this. And I also put in there the first, the three quotes that open up the first Excelsior book. As one is from the book of Matthew, which the last part of it saying, you know, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The second is from Thomas Mallory's Lamort to Arthur, where it talks about this, what is written on the stone with Excalibur. And then the third part is one day an Autobot shall rise from our ranks and use the power of the Matrix to light our darkest hour, Optimus Prime. And so now when I showed that, when I put that on there, I did, a, you know, I, I posted both photos there at once. And Flint dropped a little story about that quote that I never knew about, that it was inspired by Churchill. And his whole darkest hour speech. And, you know, when you hear it, it's just like, well, of course. But, you know, when you're growing up and everything, you just know of that quote. Hearing it, you know, hearing that Flint was directly inspired by that, it was a great drop. And I was just like, I got to do this. So first of all, I asked him if I could gift him copies of both Excelsior and Ever Upward. And he said, he said, that would be great. He sent me his address. I signed two copies. I sent them over to him. And he got them and he started reading them. And from uh, what I understand, he's been enjoying them. And so fabulous. But it was right after that, right after we did that, that's when I said, you know, like, by the way, I have this show. You have your book that's that's coming out. Can I have you come on and we can talk about the book? We can talk about your whole career. We can talk about the movie, et cetera. And he was all for it. And we talked for a good two hours. And it was one of those situations where we just could have kept on talking. And but at the same time, it was just it, it, every everything that he was saying was gold. And even better, I just ran the episode through Descript and it took out all the ums and uhs and it actually shortened it by about 20 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> so I, I am going to be you know reposting that episode just as like a nice cleaner version of it, so it's not as stuttery through, uh, throughout. But I I am just so so absolutely proud of that. And it was during that episode that's when the idea really kind of came to me about doing a month long celebration of the movie, and he was all for it. So I was able to basically like propose it to him right there. Why don't you come back and we can talk about just the movie about the development of it. And he was like, yeah, let's do this. So he set for coming on. I reached out to Ron Friedman. If our schedules can work, he's going to be coming on. I spoke to Neil Ross when he was a guest on the show. And that was a great episode too. That was over an hour and a half that we were talking. And Neil was again, just a, magnificent it was a it was a terrific time um he's he's got like a very kind of a dry delivery 
that works for him. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, that, you know, like everything he's saying, it's all very genuine. The man is very appreciative of his fan base and we love him for it, you know? So, and just the fact that not prompt, not prompted by me, this is the big thing. He, I did not ask him to do this. I just happened to bring up the fact that he had the, one of the immortal lines in the whole movie. And he said, yeah, a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot of audiences really, really enjoyed that. When I, the, the moment when I was in uh, watching the movie and that, that line came out and then he jumped into, I got better things to do tonight than die. It was just like, I got it. <laughs> yeah. It was that moment. <laughs> like, it was like, you remember, did you ever seen the movie, the paper with Michael Keaton? Yeah, okay. yeah. That moment right near the end where he's been like trying to get that quote from the, from the cops saying they didn't do it. It was that moment, that moment where as soon as he said that, he just gives like this wonderful like sigh of relief and just like, yes, that's exactly how I felt when Neil said that line. So it was <laughs> it was awesome. It was so cool. And I, I was I was thrilled by it. And he had so many great stories, too, because it's not just about Transformers, but he's the voice of shipwreck. From G.I. Joe. So of course yes. I'm gonna, so of course I'm gonna bring up there's no place like Springfield. And it which is still, you can put that in a time capsule. That is one of the finest episodes you've ever you've ever written that's ever been written for an animated show. Just absolutely. It is a fabulous episode. And it's something that I would definitely love to just kind of you know revisit. I have the DVDs, why not? Right. But uh, but yeah, it was it was fabulous. My only regret is that um, is that I blanked on Steve Gerber's name when we were talking about who wrote it. Um, so sure. That was yeah. that was my that was my one regret. I was just like and then when I look back and I saw that Steve wrote it, I was like, well, of course, Steve wrote it. So- it, it has that sardonic wit yeah. uh, for uh, uh, from Steve Gerber, for sure. Yeah. And not a lot of folks know that 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 Steve Gerber actually wrote a lot of animation yeah. it's it, yeah. it's very interesting it's like wait a sec the guy that created howard the duck mm-hmm. uh did a lot of cartoons and and one and one of them just happened to feature a kid holding a bazooka <laughs> yes <laughs> yes try to get away yeah, with he that was, now <laughs> yeah he had just just a a, a strangely unique mind yeah you know yeah. just just a a very uh surreal outlook on life and mm-hmm. and that permeated his work uh quite a bit uh that's that that's a voice that's definitely greatly missed uh for sure the uh steve gerber yeah and and uh and flint and flint and i were talking about steve because i uh recently re-listened to the episode with flint because i wanted to hear how it how it sounded after i ran it through descript and got rid of the ums and uhs and it did sound a lot cleaner it sounded you know like there's you can hear just like a little bit of a stutter like every now and then but but i took out all of the all the pauses as well so it's it flows a lot better and it was a really good listen and it was that part of it where we got to there's no place like springfield where flint was saying that was one of the rare instances where he got to edit steve and so he was also a part of one of the greatest episodes ever made of, of animated of animated television. So just the fact that, you know, I could, you know, like I could go on for like for several shows just about yeah. that episode. Um, yeah. That's how good it is. That That's how that's how good that was. So but uh, but yeah, and then it was not too long after that. That's when I reached out to uh, Vince DiCola's manager and we were able to set up. We, we originally had one one period set up that unfortunately Vince got COVID 
and that put him out of commission for a while. But when he was recovered, I've been keeping in touch with his manager, Peter. Good dude. And he and I have actually become, yeah, he and I become very friendly. And I, you know, I repaid the favor by having him on my show the very next week. So he got to talk about getting into music management. And that was a, that was a really fun episode, too, because I got to like I got to fanboy with someone who is a full on fanboy. I got to talk about with someone who knows when you say Verisaraband, you know, like that's they know what you're talking about, you know, and somebody who actually worked there, too. So it was it was a great that was a fun episode. But the one with Vince was fabulous. We only had about an hour to work with, but we wound up getting so much great material because he was talking about I had no idea that he had written Far From Over or co-written it with Frank Stallone. But oh, OK, but that was a huge part of it. And mm-hmm. that led to his getting involved with Stallone, which led to Rocky Four. And so we had a great. So it was it was like um I would say like about, you know, like a quarter of it was about him getting started in music. Another quarter was about staying alive. And then half of it was about Rocky Four. And it got to a point where we were getting really close to the end of the hour. And it was just like, well, we're not going to just going to go like, oh, and he did Transformers the movie, too. All right, yeah. So yeah. yeah. By, yeah. By the way. Right. <laughs> you know, just like as an afterthought. <laughs> exactly. So I I asked I invited him to come back. And then I told him about what I had in mind for August. And he was like, well, let's do that. So I was like. Yes. So now I know what part three of that of the whole thing is going to be all about. Part one is going to be about the development uh, with Flint. And if uh, if all if the schedule gods are willing, Ron Friedman will be on there as well. Part two will be about the voices. So I'm going to have, you know, Neil is coming back. I also was able to get Susan Blue, RC. I got Greg Berger, Grimlock. Um, I have Michael Bell coming back. And I just got and this is. I am so excited for this. I got Victor Caroli. Oh wow, that that's incredible. <laughs> because he he's he doesn't do a whole lot of press. He doesn't talk right. to a whole lot of folks. In fact, yeah. 2020 in like uh, February there was going to be a TFCon in Orlando and he lives mm-hmm. down that way and so he, he that, that was a big that was a big in that was a big in because I saw that he lives in Naples which is where my father lives oh so very cool like, there you go <laughs> so and that was to have been his first convention appearance because apparently he hasn't done oh, bot wow. cons or any of that other stuff and then obviously because of the Rona the the show gets canceled and yeah. so he's still technically has not made a convention appearance so that that's a that's a heck of a get that's uh that's that's gonna make for a really cool enjoyable episode you've you've got a stacked lineup coming up and yeah and the really fun thing is that for the voices part of it it's gonna be a panel they're all gonna be on there together and so that's gonna be just a real blast because i get even though the movie itself did not have the same sort of feel as the show where they had all the actors in the booth at the same time, because that was something that Michael Bell talked about, something that Neil Ross talked about in the previous interviews, was that the setup was very different. They're in a different studio completely. Thankfully, Wally Burr was was working with them the whole time. But still, it was it was not the same camaraderie in the sense of like, you know, the, the sense of like everyone kind of playing off of each other. But what they did, what what um, what what it wound up doing was it 
even though like that moment, even though that movie and everything didn't have that sort of feel, I get to kind of recreate the feel of what they're used to, you know, of of doing it for the regular show. So and even just having Victor in there is just I, I consider that a, a huge blessing. Just the fact that he said yes. And because what Victor gets to talk about that I'm really excited about is the different types of narration that they had, because there was the opening narrative. All he had was the opening narration for the movie, but he had also had, you know, like different drops here and there for the show, but he also had an intro and an outro for the overseas release of the movie where they did this whole like star Wars scroll type of thing, basically setting everything up. And then at the, the very end, Spoiler alert, they got to say that, you know, like Optimus Prime is going to return just like, you know, kids, you can dry your eyes now. It's okay. He's yeah. going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to traumatize you the way we did all those poor Americans. You know, it's like right. we, we heard about the uh, the American child who locked themselves up in a bathroom for three weeks. For two weeks. We, yeah. we, ju- <laughs> we just want to make sure that that doesn't happen uh, in UK and overseas in the other territories. And, and it is. Oh, yeah. And it is interesting that narration because it's it's weird watching the the uk version and it's like you said it 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 doesn't um oh what is it 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 doesn't have the song it kind of like ducks it it doesn't have like the superman style opening credits instead it has the star wars like crawl which is Mm -hmm. fine you know you could still hear the song under it but then like you said uh victor caroli comes in and basically reads the scroll (laughs) So it's it's yeah. weird to have a uh, scrolling text and the narration. It's like uh, split the difference or something. And and it still has, you know, it is the year 2005. So it picks up with that. It's it's very weirdly yeah. disjointed. Which which is real which is really funny because like the last line it says, you know, like but the the Autobots led by Optimus Prime are not so easily defeated. A few <laughs> seconds later, it is the treacherous Decepticons have conquered the Autobots on planet Cybertron. So he was defeated. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird how disjointed it is. It's like it's like the Simpsons. It's like the Simpsons behind the laughter episode. Just like you know, the dream was over. Coming up, was the dream really over? Yes, it was. <laughs> or even that uh, bit in the Simpsons movie where they're like, "To be continued." immediately because it's a movie (laughs) (laughs) or or even better or even better the uh the and and you know like not not to you know and not even to like to harp on on victor or anything like the man had had a job to do the man did it you know like with splendor and i am so looking forward to talking to him about this as well but i'm really curious to to get his reaction from when he read the text but is this really the end of optimus prime Find out in tomorrow's exciting adventure, the return of Optimus Prime is like. <laughs> Spoiler yeah. alert! Yes, yeah. so funny. Well, and it and it's interesting the the differences in different audiences and how they got to experience that because when yeah. I saw the movie when you saw the movie. You know, fo- folks are uh, of our generation and age saw the movie. That was it. it it's just mm-hmm. like Optimus Prime is gone. Yeah. These are the new characters. This is the new status quo. Let's yep. go into season three. In fact, I've I, I've corresponded and and met with so many friends that 
just jumped into season three face first and had no idea what the heck was going on. It's like, where's Optimus Prime? What? What's? Oh, they, they hadn't, hadn't seen, seen the movie. movie. Yeah. It was so weird because like the, the movie came and went so quickly, wasn't a success at all. Yeah. And so there there were a lot of folks that were really kind of left in the cold. I, I, I guessed it on a uh, podcast, uh, Transformers University, where they were talking about the return of Optimus Prime. And I had I had forgotten in uh, doing research for my part of that episode that the return of Optimus Prime came out on video uh, the same time as Transformers the movie. And that wasn't until January of 1987. I had completely forgotten about that, that that it's like it. And they advertised they advertised the VHS as the sequel to Transformers the movie and I was like no 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 five faces of darkness that is the sequel you know that's you know you guys got to you guys got to go back a little bit you guys really got to see what is what was happening while you were away because quite a bit happened so that being said so before we get too deep in the weeds because I I think I you know <laughs> folks that are listening to this no Transformers the movie already. So I mean oh, yeah. so I, I I don't necessarily need to backpedal that far. But what I'm really interested in discussing with you is really why Transformers the movie? Why uh why that's uh why you're celebrating the thirty fifth anniversary? Why is it taking over the narrative of your podcast and output for August for that 35th anniversary. Obviously those of us that like it have, you know, a great degree of affection for it. But what I thought we would kind of discuss is kind of more deeper root causes. It's like, Hmm. you know, after 35 years, why is this movie so vital to you so much so that Mm -hmm. it, takes over your uh, uh, your narrative output for, for the 35th anniversary for August? Excellent question. And for me, it really kind of goes back to the original line, the actual, the actual characters, the show, really. This whole wonderful assortment of Transformers. It's a big part of me because I believe it's the first franchise that I discovered. Because, you know, like I had, you know, I had, there have been other shows and everything. There was, you know, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe came before this. Uh, G.I. Joe had come had come before this. But at the same time, like, you know, my father had, you know, like a G.I. Joe, you know, like action figure and everything from from way back. And, you know, like he took he took the family out to see the original Star Wars. Um, he took us to see Superman and everything like these were all established characters that had been around for quite a while. And, you know, like during that time and everything, it was it was someone else who really kind of brought me into that particular fandom with Transformers that I discovered on my own. I just happened to be watching a commercial for for these toys and I just sudden something about them grabbed me and it was just like, I need to pay attention to this. And then the the three-part miniseries, More Than Meets the Eye, came out. And then the comic book started. And I was just like, there's something going on here. And so the first issue that I, I remember, the first issue that I got of Transformers was issue number five, which has the best cover art in the whole Marvel run. And if you don't know it, it's the one with Shockwave standing by a wall and where, it's, where it says the Transformers, and he writes, are all dead. I mean, come on, it's issue number five. That's the first of 
the first one past the four issue limited series and that's how you start this is this is something special and then uh they just happened to have they were airing season one during the time that during on sunday mornings and wpix 11 in poughkeepsie new york and that was when we're at, we're at church so my father you know like went ahead and set up the vcr so that way it would record while we were at church I came home and and the first one I got to watch was SOS Dinobots. And then the very next week, for some reason, they aired them out of order, but they aired the More Than Meets the Eye miniseries. So I got to really get steeped into that. And it was just like, it just at one episode after another, it was just like getting it more and more and more. It's like, there's something here, there's something here, there's something here. And then it, they switched over to Monday through Friday right after school. And that's when things really blew up. That's when I have like my other friends and everything talking about it. We're, you know, we're showing off our Transformers. First one I got was the um, the red variant Bumblebee. I didn't know. <laughs> but uh, but then I got, uh, you know, like a, a family member sends me Ironhide. And then over at, uh, I think it was Kmart. I think that's when I got where I got Soundwave and then eventually Skywarp. And, you know, so I, I didn't have that many but the ones that I had, I loved. And it was just something about that. It was just constantly just feeding it and feeding it, feeding it. And then, you know, more, you know, like reading the issues more and getting more in tune with that. And then around April or so of 86, that's when I started seeing the little teaser right at the end of the Transformers episodes saying, and coming this summer, Transformers the movie. And that really just got me excited, especially at the very end of the commercial when they would say rated PG. Because at that point, <laughs> at that point, GoBots Battle of the Rock Lords had already come and gone, and that was rated G. And after watch, I got to watch that, you know, a few months later and everything. I was just like, all right, you know, it is what it is. You know, there's there are no stakes at all. But, you know, like, but at the same time, like they're showing, they're saying the final battle between Optimus Prime and Megatron and another narrator that comes in to saying like, does Prime die? I was like, okay, I guess he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. But, As he's showing being shot in the face multiple yeah, times. Exactly. I mean, that, that, Im that imagery is already upsetting enough. And it's just like, I mean, the, those TV spots were just bonkers. I, how they crammed yeah. so much into 30 seconds. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, oh yeah. And it's, it's the, the final battle between Optimus Prime and Megatron. Does Prime die? And who will lead the Autobots? And what right. is the secret of the monster planet? And I'm like, oh, Oh my God! I must see this now. <laughs> it, it's it was just it's too much. It was just overwhelming. But man, it was great. But yeah, I mean, it it just it just hit every. I was telling my father about this recently because you know like, he was basically just asking the same thing. It was like um, he was asking me about you know like what it was like about all of this that really you know got me got me interested. And as I'm talking to him about it, I was just like, you know, what? I've never really spoken to him in this perspective before. I didn't tell him about how it started with, you know, toys because of the Diaclone and Microchange lines over in Japan. You know, like I didn't I didn't talk to him, you know, like with able to regurgitate all that info from the toys that made us. <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> but it was um it was just great. It was it was fun, you know, getting to kind of fill him in about that and also just kind of reminding him that on the day that it came out. My uncle called up my father and he said, whatever you do, don't take George to go see Transformers the movie. I'm going to take him to it. And I didn't know that, you know, like until I got 
until I got home. And I asked him, "Is like, can we go see it? And then he said, like, well, I just got this call from Uncle Bob. And you know, like, he, he wants to take you to go see it. And I was like, all right, all right. And just kind of like, it was August. I didn't have to worry about spoilers from students or anything like that. It was just like, I'll just stay in my little bubble until we go see it. And then it turns out like a couple of weeks later, we were talking a little bit about it and talking to, I was talking to my aunt at the time and um, saying how uh, the different movies that we'd seen that I'd seen so far at that, and in that, uh, at that time, because I mean, summer of 86, it was huge. And it was so, it was just like one thing on top of the other. No wonder Transformers, the movie didn't last in theaters. It never got a chance. You know, like it was, it was just swallowed up by so much that was going out there. Between like Top Gun and Aliens and Karate yep. Kid Part Two. The it, Fly I mean, still, and yeah, yeah, like everything. Yeah. It was yeah, and, and, and that and that and that was a time when like movies stayed in theaters for yeah. twelve to fourteen weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was it's just crazy. You just don't see that now. Yeah. So and then I was saying how like, but the the one I'm really looking forward to seeing is Transformers the movie. And my uncle just comes over. He's just like, "You ready to go?" He's like, "We're going now." He's like, "Yeah." It's like, "All right, let's do this." So we're in the car. We're driving over to the theater, which is not far away, and. He's asking me, it was just like, so, so fill me in on, on this. What's, you know, like, what's the whole thing? What's the whole thing all about? And I lay out the whole thing. I I'm, I'm shocked that I didn't go into the Victor Crowley voice and just, <laughs> you know, just didn't say like many millions of years ago on the planet Cybertron life existed, <laughs> but not life as we know it today. <laughs> just, I just, you know, just broke it down to them, you know, like really succinctly. And I'm really glad I did because they really kind of drop you right into the middle of it all, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, and you have the time jump, too. And it's yep. just like it's it's just you're you're really thrown in the deep end right away. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like it was everything about that movie from start to finish was just ballsy. You know, like that. it's it, every single thing that they would do. They would not try today. They just wouldn't. They would not, you know, they would not kill off beloved characters and keep them dead. There's there's so much that they would not do. There was a lot of violence that, that's that's in this. And from what I heard, like there were some parents that were getting really upset and taking their kids out from the from the attack on the shuttle at the very beginning. I mean, granted, yeah. Ron Prowl, Prowl's death. My God, <laughs> just like still, even now. I mean, just just grisly and gruesome. And mm-hmm. I would imagine that you know, had uh, uh, the same parents that had taken their kids to go see uh, the Rock Lords the year before, that yeah. it's like, what is this? This ain't go stuff. We're leaving. <laughs> We're leaving. We're yeah. leaving. Yeah, yeah. It it would have been yeah. And it's. Phew. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of carnage and I mean and characters that we have known for years dying off screen, <laughs> just like RC pulling Windcharger's dead corpse, you know, like at out of the out of the line of fire, and then there's Wheeljack's body right next to. It. I mean, like you know, I you know just go on and on about there's so much that they did with this that they just would not do now. They they. They would look at they would look at, at Transformers the movie as what not to do, but at the same time, every single thing that they did is a reason why that movie endures today. Exactly, yeah. and and, th- and that's what I was going to say, and and that's that's the way I talk about it 
with with folks that ask me those same questions. It's like, why are you so hung up on this movie? Why do you like this movie so much? What is it that keeps you buying home video versions of it that you already have over a half? Yeah, I, I have more copies of Transformers the movie than I have Star Wars. Yeah. And and I can believe it. Yep. George Lucas and 20th Century Fox put out a lot of copies of Star Wars and I have almost they sure did. All... And that was before and that was before he was tinkering with them, too. Exactly. So... And I think I still have more copies of Transformers, the movie than than I do those. Yep. And that's what it is. It, it's the longevity of it. It's it's the audacity the sheer audacity yeah. of the project that gives it that longevity um i i was just recently on a podcast with some friends talking about big trouble in little china and that oh, yeah. and that was also a box office failure it was it was a huge yeah. bomb in 86 yeah precisely and it was because it was too far ahead of its time uh cur yeah. current audiences didn't know what to do with it and i think that's the same thing that happened with transformers the movie is that it was it was so dark it was so violent it mm -hmm. was so uh transgressive and oftentimes incredibly weird and there's you know yeah. all these these bizarre tonal shifts and the art style and the music and all of it makes it so far ahead of its time but it's one of those things where we look back on it now and we can talk about it and and invest hours upon hours of podcasts and video podcasts and and and, and conversations about it because there there's so much depth to it and mm -hmm. honestly, you don't see anything else from that era, or at least like as a singular piece of media to get that much reverence and attention. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't even know if a high definition transfer of G.I. Joe the movie exists. I know it's on Blu-ray, but I think it's a scan from a DVD or something like that. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. And so it just it just doesn't get that same level of appreciation. I mean, to say nothing about other animated fare of the time, like the Milo Pony movie or or the Care Bears yeah. movies, Rainbow Bright, and and I think a lot of that was directly affected by the failure of Transformers the movie. You know, there there was gonna yeah. there was gonna be a gem movie, and that was torpedoed. Yep, that got shelved, and yep. that got shelved, mm -hmm. and then obviously GI Joe the movie was massively reworked. It's it, it's it's still mm -hmm. a bizarre bit of kismet that G.I. Joe the movie was actually supposed to come out first but they ran into yeah. production delays and they're like oh well you know what let's let's just put this transformer out first and see how mm -hmm. it does well then they saw how it did and suddenly <laughs> Duke slipped into a coma followed by <laughs> I was I was telling I was telling Michael Bell about that too like it, it was just like my 11 year old mind as soon as I hear like Scarlet say you know like he's gone into a coma I was like again <laughs> <laughs> Right, and, uh, and the man's gone into so many comas. So like, many comas. He he's got real bad CTE. <laughs> it's like yeah. I was I was thinking like that if they if they want to do any sort of like retconning of the GI Joe movies after Retaliation, they should have had they you know like they should bring back Channing Tatum as Duke and just say like nah he's just been in a coma. Yeah. You know, like he was he was discovered he, he you know like he was recovered by like another faction of the Joes. Yeah, led by Ripcord. You know, there like, you go. So that way Marlon Wayans can come into it and get him on, you know, like get him on on there and get him out. So 
there's always there was always that option, you know, just uh, wanted to throw that out there. Absolutely. To, uh, to Hasbro Studios and everything. And just like, you know, what, you, you don't have to start from ground zero or anything with this. You can always just kind of like pick back up and read it because, I mean, retaliation itself, um, just to go off on a slight tangent, you know, that was definitely it was not a direct sequel to The Rise of Cobra, but it was it was enough of one, you know, like you there was definitely like instant there the whole thing with the president, the whole thing with Cobra Commander and Destro, you know, like, you know, being behind bars and everything. You know, there was so much that that went into that. But at the same time, there was so much that was reinvented that I was really taken. I was I had a blast with retaliation. I, you know, like I know with with a lot of Joe fans, I'm kind of in the minority of that. But I had so much fun with retaliation. I felt that captured almost everything that I remembered growing up and loving with with GI Joe. Yeah, I I thought that they threaded the needle as best as they could. I I don't dislike yeah. that movie and I I remember having having fun with it in the theater and I remember thinking where it's like they they're trying to cross the streams between Sunbow and Marvel as best as they can, yeah. you know. I mean, you've get you've got a mm-hmm. heavy lean on the ninja stuff, but you've also mm-hmm. got uh the the tactical military action and yep. yeah, again, I I think they 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 did the best they could with what they had. So since we're in a Joe tangent, um, <laughs> uh, let me get your hot take on the on this Snake Eyes stuff. How uh, how how are you feeling about that going into it? I I need to I need to take a look at the trailer. Actually, I've I have not seen the trailer yet. I am oh, okay. I'm interested in in knowing who is behind the scenes for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like that is that's a that's a big factor. I'm I'm fine I'm fine with the fact that you know like that they want to go in that direction with an origin story and focus on someone who doesn't talk. I think that is that's a that's a really interesting risk. Like I said, I haven't seen any trailers or anything. I know that a lot of uh, a lot of the hardcore fans are really turned off by the fact that it that he's not blonde hair, you know, like a blonde haired American. And I get it. I definitely get it, you know, but at the same time it's just like you know, I th- from what I remember, the flashbacks that they showed in Rise of Cobra, I don't think that kid had blonde hair. Right. So I think that's what they're going through. That's what that's what they're going by. And if they were able to get that through, then I think they were just like, all right, let's just let's just focus on that part of it, because I, th- I think they feel like. Uh, when it comes to like Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, that's the part that both movies really got right. Especially with retaliation, I thought that that was they were they were fabulous together. Absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. It's it's one of those things where just like I I hope I hope you guys know what you're doing. I just hope you know what you're doing. I hope this is fun. I hope it works. I I want it to work. Yeah. I want you know like I am a fan of these properties. I want them to work. You know like I can look at you know just get, getting back to Transformers. Mm-hmm. I saw the last night. It did not work, you know, yeah. and yeah. and and I I just remember like just wanting to like that one, and it just wouldn't let me. Yeah, and because it was just coming up with like, I, I was I was excited at the end of Age of Extinction. I really enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you take away, you, you take away the whole uh, Chicago escape sequence, and you take the whole lift things up and put them down part at the in Hong Kong, and you have like a much tighter movie than what than what's out there right now. Mm-hmm. And it would 
I think it would have satisfied like all quadrants. It's it, 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 so it got me really excited right at the very end, and knowing where it was, you know, feeling like okay, we're going to go in a really cool direction here. Now we're going to go over to King Arthur. Why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. and and we're gonna and we're gonna bring in other Decepticons like Suicide Squad members. Why? <laughs> it's like <laughs> we don't know. We're just. It was just like yeah. It feels like it was written by committee because it was. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, literally it part. It was, it was that whole roundtable that they did. You know, like I would have loved to have been in there. You know, like at at the same time, it was just like I already have an idea that I've even been like kind of fleshing out a little bit more that can carry on after the last night mm-hmm. and it can also incorporate the bumblebee timeline that it looks like they're working with and give it its own transformers days of future past kind of feel there to you it. go so yeah you know i feel like that can that can that needs to be done to successfully like wrap up the the bay movies mm-hmm. and move on in this whole other timeline because i feel like if they just go like Oh, we're just doing these now. These don't matter anymore. I feel that's that's dangerous. I feel like they did it really, really well with the X Men movies, and you know, like you like you take out the X Men Origins Wolverine, and you got like a really solid continuity going there. So um, again, you know, just kind of like you know, touching up on um, <laughs> just going off on one tangent after yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, this is it. Like this is this is the sort of stuff that I grew up on, and it's the sort of thing that inspires creativity in a lot of people, including me. And I feel like that is that is something that I feel is needs to be celebrated, which is what it which is what comes right back down to why August is going to be the month of celebrating Transformers the movie because it need it. I feel it needs to be celebrated. Absolutely. Now, i i want to I want to take a step back from from our uh, deep tangents for a sec. I I would <laughs> I, I would like to go back to your original watching of the movie with uh, with your uncle. What was what was yeah. what was the reaction when the house lights come up? I, I I'm very curious about this one. I was actually like excited for the future. I I was I was actually really into it. I feel like when. Uh, Brawn, Prowl, Ironhide, and Ratchet met their end. Yeah, especially Ironhide. You know the such heroic nonsense moment. Mm. I mean, just I mean that's that's again they would not dare to do that today. No, they cannot say like, hey, look at all these great toys that you got. We're gonna throw them out. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna sell you a whole bunch of new ones. It's not just like it's not like we're going to you know introduce some new toys to put on top of the toys you got. No, we're going to run your your toys through a combine, right. and then we're gonna bring, then it's like oh you can't you can't play with this one anymore. Oh what a shame. Try Ultra Magnus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I was I was into it. I was I was like wow we're we're taking some serious steps here. Like mm-hmm. this is. There are stakes here. I'm interested. You know, like let's see where this goes. And then as it was going on, more and more, it was just like, this is this is good. This is really good. And then the death of Optimus Prime scene, which, as I said with uh, with my conversation with Flint, that was just that was perfection. The way that that whole scene carried out. Yeah. Everyone was on their A game, and you know Nelson Shin, God bless him. The stuff that he brought in, the the eyes, you know, getting bright, you yeah, know, lighting yeah. up, the, and the, then the fading. Flickering. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then the, and then turning to gray and then his head just dropping to one side and Daniel just like crying there. It's just like, they knew they had to have known that this was not just a toy commercial. They had to know what they can say like, Oh, we, we, we had a job and that was to phase out the 84 line and bring in the 86 line. Okay. But the way you did it, no, it proves to me, you know exactly what these characters are all about. And you did not just like put all of them onto one big ship and then send them out and blow it up. You know, that would have been, that would have been cynical. That would have been incredibly cynical. You know, just saying how like that, uh, you know, just grabbing the, the, the arc and everything, like getting it working again, getting all the Autobots in there and everything. And then all of a sudden, just something like, oh, there goes into the sun. And then we have a whole new adventure with all these new new characters. That would have been incredibly cynical. The way that they did it, it just proves that they are they were aware that these characters meant something. And they did a magnificent job illustrating that with that scene. And like I said, Nelson was was on top of his game. All the voice actor acting work, Peter Cullen, uh, I mean you can't say enough about Peter Cullen. The man was just like, the man is still just absolute, absolute genius. And it's someone that that's my, that's my big get, you know, if, if there's any opportunity to have Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, you know, like in there, of course, the two that don't do as, you know, like as much social media or anything or, or, are really difficult to, to pin down. Of course, they're the ones that, you know, that, uh, that everyone wants to talk to, which is likely why they, 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 uh, they avoid, they avoid social media like that, but his acting was phenomenal. And, you know, Robert Stack was great. And, and then Vince DiCola's music. I mean, like it just, it got you. Yeah. It got you in, in such a great way. So it was, it was big. It was um, that, that whole sequence was just fabulous. I, I just remember really being taken by that. Mm-hmm. Got choked up a little bit um, just because like Optimus Prime is always someone that I hold it in high regards and, and always will. But what really interested me was afterwards when Megatron met Unicron. Yeah. And it was that whole scene. It was like, what? Okay. Now the plot's getting, you know, kicking in the gear now. Now we have some brand new Decepticons, but they're reconfigured versions of the old ones. So mm-hmm. they're not, they're not replacements. They're, the next step in their evolution. Yeah. And so that's really cool. Like, you know, and getting rid of Starscream the way he did, it was just like, this is great stuff. Yeah. This is so much great stuff. And then, and then of course, Spike dropping, oh shit, what are we going to do now? <laughs> you know, like, well, and I was going to ask you well, about that too. So, like, you know, we we talked about you know kind of, kind of the violence, but you had you know uh, uh, mentioned that you would you would go to church on Sundays, and I I was wondering what the the family's response to the the profanity, and because I I I know I I know folks that like have had issues with the violence, but I've heard that folks had even more issue with the profanity, which is obviously yeah. what got it that PG rating. They they in- yeah. Intended for that so that it would play later in the day. There would be more showings. Mm-hmm. And even that part it of smart. it. It was smart. It was smart. Yeah. Kind of yeah. backfired, but uh, but also yeah. very, very smart. Oh, yeah. You know, you can tell that that at the ver- at the very core of this, there is a marketing agency that's that's the, pulling the strings. And, you know, Griffin Bacall, you know, those guys 
had done some amazing work uh, with this. They had brought in the right kind of people involved as well. And so that idea of, you know, just dropping that S-bomb and giving an Ultra Magnus a damn it line, you know, later on, also noting that they took out they took out the oh shit line from the initial video, yeah. set, the initial video release and the one that they did that uh, that Rhino did uh, years later. Um, they didn't drop in. They didn't drop in the action, the um, the S-bomb until its first release on DVD that uh, that Rhino did the the almost bare bones version of it. But the yeah, it was um, I was just like, you know, as you know, this 10 year old me and everything to come. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it, it Spike, makes it, Spike said shit. <laughs> it makes it feel very adult, especially coming from that character, because Spike yeah. is the character that you identify with when you're watching the shows on Saturday morning and weekday afternoons in 1984 and 1985. Now you have this time jump and this character that you are along with, the 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 identification character, is now an adult, which is kind of cool. Yeah. You get, oh, cool, I get, I'm looking up to this character now. And then he starts swearing. It's like, yeah, Spike is pretty cool. He's a cool dude. And you know, and what's and what's really cool about that is that what they did with Spike later on, I thought was fabulous. Yeah. The way that 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 character kept on going. And especially, even though I'm not you know, like the biggest fan of the rebirth, the three part miniseries that wrapped up the whole mm-hmm. thing, that should have been five parts. But you know, like you know, David Wise, the late great David Wise, had so much you know so much to say. Folks, take a look at the. I think it's called just like David Wise interview on YouTube. It's there. It's about 20 minutes long. He breaks it down of of all of the different budget issues and everything that w- that was happening, all the issues that he had with writing the rebirth, mm-hmm. and it's really it's a great interview. It's a really so- uh, really solid interview. But what I love, you know, like Spike just really, it's like he came into his own. Yeah, it, especially in that miniseries, like he was he was stepping forward. He wasn't just like, you know, hey, I want to go too. It was. He was being like he he was being a, an authority mm-hmm. on there. Yeah, he was sta- he he stood up to Optimus at the very end and said like, told you know told Optimus that he was staying on Nebulos. You know like and just saying like Prime, he's got my boy. You you must trust me. And finally, you know, and Optimus de- you know like deferred to him. So he he really was like a hell of a character and somebody that I hope. We'll have someone like that in future um, Transformers movies. I, absolutely, and with that, with uh, with the progression of old characters, obviously comes in the new characters as well. You know, you've got you've got Ultra Magnus, you got Cup, um, Hot Rod, mm-hmm. RC, uh, etc. Springer, Springer, yeah. it, of course, and yeah, Blur. Yeah, all these characters were super cool. Um, ex- yeah. except for Wheelie. <laughs> Wheelie. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. Wheelie, Wheelie um, sucks, but that's all right. We, yeah. Yeah. Wheelie sucks. Like there, there was this, there was this great moment. I think it was in Ghost in the Machine in season three where Spike and Bumblebee got to, you know, ride together. Yeah. And that was just like, all right, that's good. You know, like, let's keep Wheelie over there. Let's, let's get more Spike and Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah. Spike and Bumblebee. Cause like. 
they they have a good chemistry. They always had have had a really good chemistry, and um, so that part of it, I feel like that was that was something they should have you know focused on more. It's like I get you know like Daniel with Wheelie, I get that, yeah. but let's you know, let's put more focus on Spike and Bumblebee because that the, that's a pairing that we knew was going to last from the beginning. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that the writers kind of miscalculated. It's like we're. Yeah. It, you give us both dynamics. It's like you bring in new kid appeal characters in Daniel and Wheelie, where I think that's where mm-hmm. kids are supposed to go. But folks like us had already were starting to grow up and grow out of it. So the time jump works. Yeah. Aging Spike works. And everybody likes that dynamic of Spike and Bumblebee. Why? Why? Yeah. Um, not stick with that. Instead of trying to put in uh, the the new kid appeal characters, because the fan base had kind of outgrown it. I think I think that was their their bis, their big miscalculation, even more so than the crass consumerism of the movie of you know killing off all the old characters so yeah. that you're you're motivated to buy the new ones. But yeah, I think it's it it, it they just didn't quite know the audience mm-hmm. and and didn't trust the audience. I I think it's not that they didn't know the audience. I think that they didn't trust the audience because everything else in season three works very well. It's like, you know, you've got your you're moving away from earth you're going into hard sci-fi you're dealing with aliens and weird concepts and all of that stuff springs out of the movie i think that's why the movie is still so iconic because there are all of these bonkers concepts that come from the movie that are still called upon in any iteration of Transformers fandom. It's like, you know, if uh, if you get a nickel for every right. time somebody says one shall stand, one shall fall or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, so much of that dialogue has been repurposed and reused and that speaks to how iconic of a touchstone this is. I've uh, I've heard my buddy uh, Anthony Brucalli, who hosts uh, Transformers University at TFU.info, he refers to the movie as the centerpiece of yeah, G1. It really is. Um, yeah. Because it, it really is. I mean, and G1 is really kind of like defined as like before the movie and after mm-hmm. the movie. But the movie itself is this thing that exists it's the jewel right in the center in pop yeah, culture it's the, it's the jewel right it, in the really center it really is and like i i was even say, i was um talking with i was talking a little bit more with with flint about this during during our talk a couple of years before i got to talk with flint i met uh, i met greg berger and he was at a he was at a convention that was it was wonderfully stacked with a lot of really great pop culture people, but it was horribly marketed, so no one really knew about it. But mm. that was it, it. Sucked that it was basically like throwing money away for my table because I had my books there. But at the same time, it offered a chance to kind of walk around a little bit and chat with some of these people. So that's where I got to gift Greg a copy of Excelsior, and I got to you know talk with him about it. I showed him the three quotes, and he looked at it. I was just like, I'm going to show this to Peter. I was like, awesome, awesome. You know, like, please do. <laughs> and this was before I knew that the that the podcast was going to get going. And I even had a great moment where I got to meet and gift a copy of Excelsior to Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor, which was amazing because one of the main characters in Excelsior was directly inspired by the Frank Langella version of Skeletor 
uh, from the Masters of the Universe movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that wouldn't have happened if Alan hadn't made that character as iconic as it is. So it's just like, I got to give him a copy. And Alan was so gracious too, because he got up from his chair and let me sit at his booth and then stood over me while I signed it, my, my copy of the book for him. And the whole time I'm thinking, it's just like, where the fuck is a camera? Like somebody needs to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. this needs to go out there. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Um, but I had a moment and um, one of my friends who's also like uh, real hardcore into Transformers, she asked me, what would I have done differently for season three? And I said, like, the main thing that I would have done, the main thing I would have changed is we go back to Dark Awakening and Optimus, he still overpowers the programming that the Quintessons gave him, but he doesn't kill himself afterwards. He's still banged up. He's still badly wounded and everything he needs to be on a life support system and that is what keeps him on cybertron and acts as a mentor for rodimus rodimus still has the matrix and he's still going out on missions but he has optimus's ear he can go ahead and like use him as a guiding force and so basically he would be in the same role that General Hawk was in on that same season of G.I. Joe. So because they brought in General Hawk that same season. So he'd basically be like the same thing. He would be the top guy that would you know like be looked at, you know, like with reverence and everything. But he was not in a position to actually get out on the field. So Rodimus would do that instead. Then you have and this is this is also dependent on Hasbro getting their ideas in gear a little faster than they did and saying that there would be some sort of, you know, universal catastrophe or something that requires Optimus to actually be there. And so you have a maybe like, you know, a human that is working with him, you know, with that, um, with his life support system to basically like try to improve it as much as possible to the point where that human would actually have to wear it and become it and become the power master. So that way you have power master. Okay. Optimus Prime. Ah, I see and where then you're all going. Of a sudden, all right. Now you have, now you have Optimus, you know, like back and everything in gear as the power master that Hasbro puts out. So there, there you have, you're in with, with him coming back and not just bringing him back because somehow during all this conflict and a ship blowing up and everything that a couple of humans just happened to get on there and get a perfectly pristine Optimus out of the ship you can tell I'm really bitter about that <laughs> before. Yeah, it, it, it just it, it, it just doesn't it, yeah, line it up. It clashes but... so badly with with the continuity and it just it pisses me off. It was just like if you want to if you want to have them rescued, fine. Have everything be what it is, you know, have everything carry out what it is in Dark Awakening, but have Jessica and and Gregory pull up in their ship after everything is done. It's just like what's that thing floating out there? Well, and and it's also kind of uh, uh, weirdly doubly frustrating as well because, like, as a singular piece, mm -hmm. the Return of Optimus Prime is a pretty decent episode. Yeah, it, it's it it's a lot of fun. There's there's some cool stuff in there, some great concepts. The animation is you, fabulous. The animation it's looks great. terrific. You know, like there's, yeah, it, it it looks it looks the closest thing to the movie that that's that was out there. Like it looked really really good. And, Absolutely, and but of course, yeah. and of course, the Stan Bush cameo at, at the very end—you know, like 
Yeah. Why not? You know, like that's the time when you bring out the touch. You know, that's which which again, you know, kind of putting some mild profanity into it, it has the line when all hell is breaking loose. I mean that yeah. that is in a that is in a weekday afternoon cartoon there. And that's like, all right, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. And and it's and again, it's just touchstones like that. You know, it's like, you know, look at how ubiquitous Stan Bush's music has has become because of the movie. Yeah. And and we were talking about this earlier when uh when we were talking about uh, Vince DiCola and his uh, relationship with Stallone. Mm -hmm. It's interesting the weird connections with Stallone and Transformers because obviously the touch was originally written to be Cobra. Um, yeah. in Cobra that, yep. that that Stallone movie so it, it's just so weird these weird alternate parallels where everything eventually it's almost six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like six almost, degrees yeah. of Transformers, the movie. Yeah. Because between like, I mean, that's that's how Robert Stack gets Unsolved Mysteries, yep. kind of based upon the the strength of that that voice work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's just it's interesting. And and like I said, I mean, I for me, what makes Transformers the movie a topic that I still enjoy talking so much about is that it's it's iconic in a way that's separate from the rest of the franchise. Obviously, yeah. Transformers as a concept, as an IP, is, is you know, part of the pop culture. But the Transformers, the movie, also has a separate and almost unique place yeah. in that, like, you know, you've you've got the, the Marky Mark connection, the Boogie mm -hmm. Night stuff, and yeah. who ends up being in the live action movies. Again, all these weird six degrees things, mm -hmm. but like, you know, you, you've got episodes of the Goldbergs, you yep. know, using that, and you've got, you've got Dare being used in Netflix's Glow, you know, yeah. it's just like all, all of these, these reverberations that and think, come and out of- And I think they of, used, I think they used the touch on Chuck as well. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, I mean, that's it, great stuff. It's great stuff. And yeah, like it, it yeah, it, like the way, the way you said that really is, you know, really is something because the, you know, the the general public knows about Transformers. The fans know about Transformers, the movie, and they know the effect that it had on them. And if, you know, like if, uh, you know, if, you know, Heaven allows, you know, like you're able to see that in the theaters more than once before it before it leaves. You know, like it's it really was like just something really special. Now you can't really pin down, but it's something that, you know, like um it really is. It's beyond good, it's beyond evil, beyond our wildest imagination. Like that's a you know, that's what they said, and that's what's there. Absolutely. And and I've told this story in a number, number of other places as well. I, I had the opportunity to see it twice in the theaters. Oh, nice. And and it was on the strength of that commercial. We were talking about the, the commercials earlier. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like, it's so big. It's so exciting. You've got to see it twice to take it all in. And I remember talking to my mom, almost quoting that verbatim. And she's like, ah, We'll see. And, you know, like w within like the, the next weekend or something like that, um, uh, grabbed a couple friends and, and um, she took us to go see it, um, nice. w which was the second time for me. And it was so I, I always remember that very fondly. And that's almost like one of my weird childhood flexes. I'm like, yeah, but I saw it twice. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, lucky. <laughs> it's like, oh, little, little rich kid over right. here. And I'm like, well, I went to go see a movie twice. OK. But but I, you know, you 
remember those bits of, uh, I, I guess, uh, predating viral marketing, but it's just like, you know, like you said, the tagline or like we were talking about the commercials. I mean, there, there's just so many ubiquitous things that are so unique to this movie mm-hmm. that I just... Um, you know, I, I I think the only other date that that's more cemented in my mind uh, for when a when a movie came out was June twenty third. You know, when, oh, when Batman yeah. eighty nine came out. Yep. Uh, but which, out, which outside has, of that, it's which, like which has the greatest teaser poster of all time. You know, that's absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm proud to say that I got that hanging up in my my office at work. And nice. Yeah, that was that was a big get. You know, getting that one. I always wanted to have that poster and I always wanted to have it framed and I got them both. So, yeah. That's that's so cool. I I love the photos that you've shared of your uh, of your space there and just I mean there let, let's okay as as we close out, let's let's talk about the poster too because like mm-hmm. the poster is really in itself a a bizarre piece of art. Yeah. In that like it has First, the the style is kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I'm sure having the poster in the size that that you've got it, I'm sure you've stood and looked close to it. Like, yeah. like the expressions on the characters' faces are kind of goofy. You know, it, it's it, it's just a, a very weird interpretation, but it's also a very striking and iconic image that that's been um, obviously homaged a, a number of times, like in comic books and 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 things like that. Mm-hmm. But it is. You know, it's like we we should have known what we were in for because none of the old characters are on the poster. It yeah. it's it's Ultra Magnus. It's you know it, it's it's Springer. It's Cup. It's RC. You don't even have Hot Rod. Yeah, all you have, you have you is have, spoiler you have alert. You have Rodimus Prime, Prime way <laughs> way off to the side, who is actually smaller in perspective than Wheelie. It's yeah. like it's it's just it's just very bizarre. But yet that is that is an iconic image that's burned into my memory as as iconic as that teaser Batman poster as much as like any any number of star wars images or raiders of the lost ark or you know just that the all-time classics i always think of that of that movie uh, uh the the poster for transformers the movie mm-hmm. yeah there's there's something about that one i think it's i think the thing that that grabs me more than anything is the way that the logo looks I think like there's yes. some, it's, you know, the, it's, it's given that extra like 3d edge to it and it just, it pops so much more. It was just like, this is, this is not going to be just a, you know, like an episode, an, an extended episode. This is right. going to be something different. This is going to be a game changer. And then you look down mm-hmm. on the bottom there, PG, like, all right. We yeah. Got, there's something going on here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a real movie and like yeah. you know it's got like all of the 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 cover dressings and all of that stuff, you know, it's like oh, you know, DEG presents uh yeah. uh Dino, Dino De Laurentiis who like, you know, I didn't know anything about movies, but I knew that I knew that name from like seeing that. I'm like this is it's 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 a real movie in yeah. a way that that Rainbow Bright wasn't or My Little Pony the movie wasn't or right. you know, or again or or Go by you know Mm -hmm. none of that none of those really felt like movies and for me transformers the movie even now is still the meter stick that i use to measure a television to movie 
transition. Like yeah. I, I remember watching like Star Trek Generations, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it, it's fine, but it's no Transformers the movie. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's like, and, and it's just that confluence of like the time jump all of the ambitious choices mm-hmm. uh, with regards to the characters. It, it's everything just felt real and intense and scary and game changing. Like, like you had said and anything. I mean, like I, I even remember like I had uh, I had a cousin of mine who was super into Pokemon. Yeah. And like, I remember that I, I took him to go see that first Pokemon movie. And I, I asked him cause I didn't know anything about it. I was like, so is this any different than the show? He's like, no, it's just like the show. And I'm like, when you get mm. a little older, I'm going to show you this, uh, this little movie called the Transformers, the movie yep. where like, <laughs> that's, that's how you do a, a big uh, screen adaptation. It, yeah. 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 And, and it doesn't even matter that it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. It's mm-hmm. like any kind of, I, I guess the word I'm looking for is escalation, yeah. you know, where it like it takes the thing that you loved about the show and really makes it big for the big screen. That's that's I mean, I like Star Trek Generations fine, mm-hmm. but but it, it's it, it's not that it's not big in right. the way that Transformers the movie is. I'll tell you something. This is this is something that's that's really kind of you know odd that I that that actually like makes that causes a little bit of an emotional feeling for me. But at the end credits, the one thing you know, like I always make sure to to you know watch the end credits all the way through whenever I watch it. And the main reason why is because um, there is I always get like this weird like smile like this weird like kind of and with a little bit of a chill when it's come, coming to like the very end of the end credits and there's the motion picture association of america seal yeah. on there i was like that's and right below that it says the transformers is a registered trademark of hasbro incorporated i was like you've come a long way you've so come yeah. a long way in such a short time and i am so proud to be a part of this fan base Absolutely. Yeah. So cool. Well, we could talk for for a very long time <laughs> oh, and I'm yeah. sure we will we will have to um at at another time, but I think our time comes to the comes to our our end. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing there. Right. I apparently forgot how to speak. Uh George Soroy, uh author, voice actor, audiobook narrator. The uh podcast is Excelsior Journeys and uh, uh thank you so much for taking the time this was an absolute blast oh absolutely i had so much fun doing this thank you for having me here you're welcome and uh before we part ways for now could you let folks know where we can find you on the internet how we can connect with you on the social medias and anything else that uh that you want to plug while we're here absolutely you can find me on uh you can find me at the my home base is at he's got it.com as in by george he's got it that uh you can you can get the samples of you know like some books that i've some of the books that i've narrated uh you can find out about how you can purchase the books directly from me, uh, get some auto, uh, signed copies sent over to you. And you can also access the podcast. And I say podcasts, uh, plural, because there's Excelsior Journeys, and then there's a limited series that I did, um, which focuses on all the Marvel movies that are outside the Marvel studio of uh, the MCU. So it's called From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. And that was a fun show to do. It was part of the National Podcast Post Month Challenge. So where you, you're oh, basically cool. like recording uh, you know, like a 10-minute sh- uh, episode every day for 30 days in November. So I did that in 2019, had a lot of fun doing it. I 
sense a future for that show in you know like very soon i just got to figure out how i'm going to spin it and see what i can do with it um the quality you know kind of ebbs and flows because i was recording it through my you know on my phone that part of it it is what it is but it was just like each episode is my thoughts on that particular marvel movie that's outside of the mcu you can find me on instagram and twitter under the same under the same name at george soroy and it's spelled S-I-R-O-I-S. And you can also find me on Facebook. You can find the Excelsior Journeys podcast, and you can find my author page both on Facebook. Very cool. Well, again, George, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. All right, and that will wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to all of my past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. And check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud. Five years and over 300 episodes worth of shows there. And join us again for the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast live stream that is streaming on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For my guest, George Soroy, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, tell all our one, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.